in order to uh, be an orchestra of peace, if we're going to be instruments of peace, it helps that we would know what the the, the symphony sounds like. You know, if you uh, uh, are ever practicing an instrument or somehow practicing a, a play, it, it really reading a book, it helps to, to get a sense of what the, the big picture is, what the whole symphony sounds like. And, and this really is what we have in our, our passage today. And really the, the passages that we're going to look at throughout the, the Advent season. Because what we're going to, to look at are visions that God has given to Isaiah. Now Isaiah was a, a prophet, one who, who spoke God's truth to uh, those that were around, or the kings and other people, spoke God's truth to them. And this was um, you know, 500 years or so before Jesus was even born. But God had given to Isaiah some visions of what one was going to accomplish, this, this one who was the Messiah, this one who was the anointed one, this, this one who's going to come from heaven and, and who we know to be Jesus and so we're going to look at, at these visions of Isaiah as the visions of Christmas. But these visions are not visions of sugar plums you know, dancing in our head. These, these are visions of things that are truer, more clear than even what we can see and experience right now. Because what you and I see right now is, is limited by time and space. I mean, what we see right now is now past. And what we see, we see only appearances. We, we see only what's on the outside. Whereas what God sees and the, the visions that God has, they, they, they see, God sees deeper than appearances and can see past, present, and future in, in one still shot. That's the clarity of God's vision. This, this vision that we're going to read here is, is more true than what we see or experience this day because this is what we know God's power, wisdom, and love can accomplish. This is what we know to be the symphony played in full as we look at these visions of peace, of renewal, of mercy, of joy. These visions don't just tell us what the future is. They're, they're not just a, something to give us sort of a hope like we hope it's going to snow on Christmas or hope it doesn't snow on Christmas, depending on who's got to shovel it. But it is a, a hope that is sure and certain. It is the end that we know will be accomplished. So not just something to, to give us that hope, but it's something when it's God's vision that invites us to action. It, it invites us to act according to that vision today. Because we know that this is the end. And, and we know as we walk through Advent that this vision was, was birthed the end of this vision was birthed on Christmas, or what we celebrate as Christmas. This, the, the end of this vision is started in the birth, 
the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and will come to full completion upon his return. And we are fools to live by any other vision because we know this is the vision that will be accomplished. This is the end result. This is the journey that we're on. This is the direction that we're traveling. I mean, this, this, is, this vision is then an invitation for us to join on the journey according to God's plan in, in what God has told us is the end result. It's really, um, I may have shared this with you once uh, before, but this, this picture of knowing that this is the end, that this, this, this vision of peace is sure and certain, uh, going to be accomplished by God's wisdom and love and power, it is, reminds me of about 20 years ago when I used a, an ancient tool called a VCR. <laughs> there, they were the precursors to TiVo or DVR. It was a way to record what was on TV, archaic and very limited use, because you could only record what was being watched at that time. Um, but you could program it to record one show sometime in the future. And so my team was uh, in the basketball national championship game. And I had to be away from the TV for the day, being out of town for about 48 hours. And while I was traveling back is when the game was going to be played. So um, before I left, I programmed it to record this game. And I had notions of grandeur that I would wait to hear who won the game until you know, I arrived home the next day and got into the house and you know, threw the tape in and played it. But you know, long, I couldn't hold out. And so I, when I, the game was over and I could find out, I grabbed um, a, a newspaper or talked, I forget how I found out, but I knew the game was over and I knew that my team won. But I still carried out the plan. I mean, I went home, took the, the, the DVD or took the tape out of the VCR and fast for, or rewound it, played it, and watched the whole game. But I watched it as a totally different person. I mean, when the ref made a bad call, I said, that's ah, all right, ref, you'll get it right next time. Yeah, when, when my team made a bad pass or a bad shot, oh, that's all right, man, next time you'll get it. Since I knew the end, I didn't get all wrapped up in, in the details of the mistakes and the brokenness. And even because I knew the end, I could watch the game and watch both teams and enjoy both teams in their mastery of the game. Because I knew the end... I was a different person watching the game. Our prayer, this Advent, is that as we get in touch, as we are reminded of God's vision, of what we know to be the end, that we will be different people. That we will let this this vision of peace truly give us a new set of eyes. Or at least give us a, a new set of goggles to put on. 
so that we will encounter the world truly as instruments of His peace, whether or not the world is in war or not. Because we know the end. Right, this, this particular vision is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. It's found on page 558. I invite you to turn there or you can read along on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us of of your truth, of your visions, of what the end of the the world will be, what our destination is. And, And we ask that you and your spirit would so empower us so that we live according to that vision. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hands on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, just a couple notions here from this particular vision, and one that we'll see throughout, um, a basic uh, organization. What Isaiah does, he has a vision of this one to come, the one who we know to be Jesus, um, and then the results of what this one will accomplish, what, what the, the symphony will look like in its, when it's completed. And what we know about this one, we're told that he, he shall, that he's uh, out of the family of Jesse. The, the vision that Isaiah sees, he sees like a stump. And, and the stump has been cut off, but now there's a new growth coming out of it. And, and, that's, and God tells uh, Isaiah, well, that's, that's the, the, the new branch out of the family of Jesse. Well, Jesse is David, King David's father. So it's out of that lineage, out of that family that one will be raised up. We're also told at the very end in verse 10 that he's not only the the new growth, but he's also the root of Jesse. So this one is the beginning and a new growth of this lineage, the beginning of God's promise and the fulfillment 
of God's promise. Uh, Revelation 5.5 5 even gives this title uh, to Jesus at the final judgment, that he is the, the root of Jesse or the root of David. And what we know about this one who comes out of the family of, of David is that he will have a character and capability that is beyond human capacity. A character and a capable capability that is beyond human capacity. It's not just an abundance of natural human gifts, but he will have wisdom and power. The character of wisdom, which is the character of Christ, the character of God, and he will have the capability, the power to act on that wisdom. We're told in verse 2 that it's the Spirit of the Lord that will rest on him. Not his own abilities, his own strengths, but it's the Spirit of the Lord who will give him an ability that is beyond human capacity. And we see that in the Middle of verse 3, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge. It's with a divine, a godly perspective. He will see beyond appearances. He will hear beyond what is audible in order to judge with perfection, a heavenly perfection. Certainly see that um, being fulfilled in the beginning of Matthew where Jesus is baptized and we're told like a dove, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. So the the quality, the the character and the capability of this leader will then provide a, a life that is so free that it will be based totally on trust and cooperation. Verses six through nine. Paint this this picture of a world that is free from fear. Free from, from exploiting one another. But is characterized by trust and cooperation. I mean, what we see here is the, the strong and the weak working together. The hunter and the hunted side by side. The insignificant, simple child is not only safe playing around with snakes, but he leads them. A picture of life because of this perfect judge, the character and capability of this judge, a life now characterized by trust and cooperation. Isn't that what we want? And wouldn't, wouldn't we love to be freed, to be so characterized by his peace that we are freed from fear and we are freed from exploiting or being exploited, from using others or being used by others. That's the peace that Jesus brings. And he's not just a one-hit wonder because we're told it's not just that the cow and the bear shall graze together, but their young shall lie down together. It is passed on even to their generations. This incorporates a drastic change different from the world that we're used to, characterized a whole lot more by fear and oppression and exploitation than trust and cooperation. 
But I think what he's really getting at here is he's hearkening back to Genesis 1. And what he's saying here about, you know, lion eating grass like cows, sort of wild, isn't it? I think he's hearkening back to the creation. Genesis 1, verse 30. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. What this root of Jesse will accomplish in his perfect judgment will be to bring us back to the garden. To to bring us back to a place of trust and cooperation, the very purposes for which we were created and which we have fallen from. But, you know, he also says here that the nursing child and the weaned child play with the snakes in in verse 8. I think that's a reversal of the curse. For we're told in the curse in Genesis chapter 3 that the curse puts enmity, enmity between the serpent and the woman and between your offspring and hers. This one to come, this prince of peace, will reverse the fall and the curse to bring us back to the very purpose for which we were created. That's the vision that God presents to us. That this Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate less than a month is the one who had started the final step of this vision. And now our charge, our challenge is to live in this world according to this vision of peace. I think this vision here, this presentation of the destination for which we are destined This charge for us to live into this peace help answers the cynic in all of us. This vision answers the cynic that's in me and that's in you that says, forget it. I'm going to get burned. And this world isn't characterized by trust and cooperation. This vision, it answers the cynic in me and you that's given up on peace. This vision answers the part of me that says nothing's going to change. This vision answers the part of us that would rather curse the darkness than live into the light of the Prince of Peace in the pain and the brokenness in our own lives and around us. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a lot to be cynical about. There's a lot to be cynical about in, in our world and even in our own lives. But this vision makes it clear to us that Jesus has come to accomplish this kind of peace, this kind of trust, this kind of cooperation. I encourage you this week to to have a particular set of ears on as well. A set of ears that will... Be on guard for the cynic in you. 
Uh, be, be listening for the ways that maybe you're living according to the vision of this world, which is protect yourself at all cost, versus living into the vision that Jesus brings us. To live according to that peace and to work towards it, towards that trust, towards that cooperation. Keep your eyes, your eyes and ears. Keep your eyes and ears open for the cynic in you and around you. And then when when you see that, when you hear that, look for a little child leading a lamb and a lion. Listen for the lamb and the lion and the child leading us into this vision. Because remember, Remember, the game's over. The victory has been won. We know who the champion is. We know the destination. We've heard the whole symphony. So we can be different people today because we know the end of the game. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your written word. Give you thanks as it speaks to us of of your beauty, of of a peace that only you can bring. And, And we desire that peace to be lived in our own lives. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of broken relationships, in the midst of war, in the midst of destruction... We, we know that your peace is victorious. So we ask individually, wherever we go, that we would live according to it. As we've just said, show us the ways that we succumb to the cynicism of this age instead of to the Prince of Peace. Show us as a community, as a church, Lead us and and, and guide us so that we live out this kind of trust, this kind of cooperation, this kind of peace. Develop in us that that same character of our leader and, and even empower us with that same capability. And gracious God, we pray for one another, especially those in need of your healing touch. We continue to pray for Jim Schaffner, Roe Dennison, that you would bring healing upon them, comfort and peace to them in the midst of illness and disease. We pray for our brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus in in North and South Korea, that they would live out your peace in a time of great uncertainty and danger and impending disaster. We pray that you would fill them with your peace in such a way that they would be a voice for you and a testimony to what we know to be the end result. And gracious God, we we join together in, in one voice, uh, seeking to be your people, to be your church, to, to be a, a place that is characterized by your peace. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory.
Connect us in Jesus, no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus, no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you, no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen.